everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Iconist Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Barry3D for Deep Dark Delicious. Hey! Joke never gets old. On my side, as always, the one and only man who makes you dance all night long. And if you're not dancing, well, because he signed off. Who am I talking about? My cousin. Rod C. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ooh. to another episode. We got something for you. <laughs> but I won't say nothing. All right. And so we're going to turn around and we're going to introduce our guest below. And then we're going to go through our round table. So first of all, our guest oh, on the show God. today. This man is funny. He's fantastic. He, you've seen him all over the place. And you've probably seen him. On commercials, especially for our Canadian friends. If you like your Tim Hortons, you've seen him. Uh, the man of the hour, our friend, Mr. DK Fan. Hey, DK. What's going on, Iconist Podcast? DK Fan Hello. here. <laughs> DK, you're everywhere. So first of all, man, DK, let, huh. let the, the people listening, watching, let them know one, where they can find you, what you got going on. Go ahead. Plug it away, my friend. Oh, my God. That, I didn't even prep this stuff. Where can you find me? I'm going to be at the... Uh... Sound Recording Studios uh, this Saturday, doing a little, uh, doing some stand-up there. And then after that, I'll be at Joker's uh, next Thursday, as well as next Tuesday, headlining the Amateur Night for uh, the little amateurs there, showing them how it's done. If you want to check that out, it's at, um, oh, do I have the address off the top of my head? We're going to get, let, let's see if I can do it. 151 York Boulevard in Richmond Hill. So that's off the top of my head. Let me see if I can Google that. And I will tell you if I'm correct or if I'm going to get fired from this club immediately. Uh, nah, you're not going to get fired from them because your talent will supersede anything going on, man. So hold on, you got a website or something people can catch oh, you on? Oh, man, 115 York Boulevard. I was so close, just reverse the number. Just, guys, 115 York Boulevard. Check me out at Joker's Comedy Club. Uh, if you want to check out my website, it's dkfan.com. It used to be .ca, but I sniped it off some other dude, the .com, because he forgot to renew it. So now I own the .com. Nice. DKFans.com. Please, everyone, keep an eye out for DK. You will see him on the screen. You will hear his voice. And uh, definitely you will see him doing comedy. So go support, show the love. Um, tell him you you saw him here or heard him here on the Iconist podcast. He's 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 absolutely fantastic. I'm so happy to have him on. You know so real quick before we... plug shows that are going to be uh, outdated by the time this podcast comes out. Baby, you know baby, because we record early, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Follow right. my Instagram at DK Fantastic, uh, and you'll see which shows I'm coming up. So if uh, if the shows are past, just you know, follow me, and you'll find out where else I'm performing. There you Always go. in the new year. There Boom. we go. So quick, uh, we're going to do some quick shout outs to the people that support the show and help us out uh, at, at times, or just by mentioning our show when they can. So first and foremost, if you want to start your comic book collection, you can either go to Wow Comics out in Kitchener and tell Wes and the guys we said hi. You can go and check out uh, a Tale of Heroes out in Cambridge, tell Andrew the guys we said hi. Or you can hit, for our friends in Montreal, Check Swings on the South Shore, tell Trevor and the guys we said hi. Uh, another fan of the show is Miss Brandy Ford. She's got her show on three times a week, 4680q.com. So please just plug it away, link, uh, in, link down below. And, of course, if you want to see me, you can check out my website, Barry3D.com. I post where I'm going to be, including uh, what's happening with the show, and uh, you should put that in your notifications. Uh, on top of that, we also have our boys there from A Touch of Grey Matter. That's myself, Zolf Ali, and Dave Sekolowski. Uh, keep an eye out for it. We've got some stuff planning for the new year. Uh, I think we are good. And if you plan oh, on doing a podcast, you should use what we use, which is Podbean. So look at iconist.podbean.com. That's where you find us. And, and you're good to go. And also, if you're going to do your own podcast, you're going to need a graphic artist. And if you need a graphic artist, there's only one guy we work with, and it's worldwide. The one and only. Jay Bird Digital Arts. 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 
Mr. Jason Reese, Jaybird Digital Arts. Hit him up. Let him know you heard about him on the Iconist podcast, and he will give you a discount on any work you need to get done. He's the graphic artist to go to. Shout him out. And once again, Jay, you're always hitting me up on stuff, man. So, hi, Jay. Hope all is well and for you in the new year. Which now brings us to the show. On today's show on the Iconist podcast, the icon is... Talisman! The board game! We usually fan cast a lot of things on here from old superheroes to TV shows and all that stuff. And we figured board games is a big thing that draws us in. I love my board games. And we had to bring on an expert in because, you know, he knows more than me. And that's why we got DK. There you DK, go. real quick. How did you get into board games? What, what, what started you on that path? Oh, my God. Uh, you know what? I, I used to work an IT job and I was spending way too much time on the screen. But I love video games. Uh, and for some reason, I also love spreadsheets. So uh, board games was kind of like the natural extension to that. The first board game, the first modern board game. After mm-hmm. Monopoly that I got into, and after Catan, like Catan, I got into, um, mm-hmm. I think in like 20, 2006, uh, when kind of like it was the, uh, the Euro games, the German games were trying to make their, their big splash in North America. Uh, it wasn't until I'd say 2010 that one of my friends, uh, introduced me to the game Dominion. And oh. yeah, have you played that one? No, I haven't. I am so behind on board games. This is what, this is why I'm so happy to have you on, man, because I kind of, Get in a rut and I stick with what I know. Yeah. I, uh, so after playing Catan, like, I realized, like, a lot of it is very luck dependent. It, it feels like a slot machine when you play Catan, right? Like, you roll the dice, everyone's kind of like, cha-ching, or like, oh, and then you cash out, you hope for trades. There's a bit of diplomacy in it. If you just really hate someone, you don't trade with them, right? Uh, with Dominion, what it is, so to introduce the game, it's a deck building game. Uh, as a, well, I guess it's a, I guess a deck builder. It's not a game where you build your decks beforehand and you bring it in to like a, a joint space like Magic the Gathering and then you battle your decks out. What it is is um, with Dominion, you get a spread of ten cards uh, on the table. Everyone has access to these ten card or ten piles of cards. Each pile has a set of cards that do the same thing. And what you do is using the cards that you have in hand, you buy one of these cards from the middle, put it in your discard pile. And as you go through your deck, you're going to run through your 10 cards and you have to pick them all up, shuffle them together. And now this new deck of cards that you have will have your original 10 cards plus a bunch of other cards that you had purchased. So it starts off becoming a 12 card, then a 15, then a 20, 30, 50, whatever card deck. And as you cycle through it, it allows you to do different things, ultimately get victory points, kind of like the holy, uh, not the holy grail, but kind of like the the food of most board games is the right. almighty victory point. And then after uh, the win con- uh, the the game end conditions are met, so in this case, if three, I think it was three. It's been a while since I played. If three piles are depleted, uh, plus all the score piles, then the game ends. You look through your deck, take out all the point guards, point cards, or the point guards if you're basketball player. I don't know how you play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Count your points. Whoever has the most points wins. So that was kind of like uh, my first foray into like the post Catan, post Monopoly, mo- quote unquote modern board game. Um, and what I liked about it is I realized you have a lot more player agency in a game. So you are in more control. You have, uh, you have more meaningful decisions that you're making. And at the end of the day, you're also, it it, it came at the right time. It came at a time when arcades, couch co-op and all that stuff is starting to phase out. Like people weren't going to arcades anymore. I wasn't meeting strangers playing Soul Calibur. Um, 
sitting on the couch. Like, it's hard to get adults to to come together and just kind of like, you want to stare, play Mario Party for a little bit? Like, with board games, it gets your eyes off the screen. You're interacting with people for the most part, and I can get into that in a bit. Uh, and you're connecting with people face-to-face again over a board game, having a real conversation with them, talking to them. And the thing I liked about Dominion is there's no player elimination. Uh, or you never feel like, you're losing, I guess, in Monopoly. Like you, you just feel like you're in poverty mm. for nine hours, and then the game ends with with you flipping the table and you paying your landlord and then going to jail. Um, Which is life if you're a rapper. Okay, got it. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. So that was my start into uh, board games. Cool. See, so I'm going back a little bit further than you, right? So I was, like, we were mentioning on on Talisman. So uh, the the board game Talisman was was created like way back. Um, you know, it was created by a guy named Robert Harris. So Robert Harris was the one that turned around and made Talisman the the board game. It was a fantasy game, and he made mm-hmm. back. And I'm trying to look at my notes here. I should have had this a little bit more prepared on when he started. I should read through the was... rules before the podcast too. <laughs> yeah, that's the rules before the podcast. We're easy going on all this. I usually have it there, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, and then other times like, oh, where the heck did I go? Like I'll write it down, <laughs> and it's like that. That's where it is. Hold on, Rod will maybe find where that one came up for me, um, because it had so much information. So. It came out, it was, uh, you know, it was called Talisman, the Magic Quest game. And basically you had like four to six players that could play this game. So you can do a minimum of two, two, but you know, they said four to six players that would play the game. At times we used to play it a little bit more than that. And you would pick your character. Um, you know, there he goes. So it, it got first published in 1983, 40 years ago. Damn, I'm old. <laughs> wow. That's all I got to say. Uh, so yeah, in 1983, yeah. 40 years ago, two to six players. And he said the playing time is about 240 minutes. Let me tell you something that's a lie, right? Because point uh, DK, it would bring your friends together. And of course, it would get your eyes off the screen, uh, you know, and, and then of course, and they had expansion sets with it. So it started mm-hmm. off and with Talisman, a board game, you had a, uh, it was one board, you had your characters. So the cool thing is you would pick your character classes. So it was pretty much like Dungeons and Dragons meets Monopoly. Mm-hmm. You'd pick your character. Each character had their different attributes. So you'd want to have one attribute for strength, one for craft, which is, you know, uh, wisdom, which is your intelligence. And then you'll have one, like four lives. That's everyone starts with four lives. Mm-hmm. Depending on the character you play or you start with, each one has different things. So one character might start with weapons or certain swords, or they have to start in certain locations. And then depending on the board, you had your outer ring, your middle ring, and then the center ring. And the whole concept of talisman is to get to the center. So you had the Go around on the board, find um, a talisman card, be strong enough or smart enough to get to the center ring, use a talisman to get through the door to work your way in there to get the crown of command. So once you're in there, you can find, like this, for example, the belt of Hercules, which will allow you to teleport to any other player and just beat the crap out of them. And every time you win, you move on to the next player and you try to take away their lives. The whole thing is either be the last person standing or you get the crown of command, which then, you know, you go and annihilate every player and it's the last one standing. So it's a little bit of Highlander thing that was put into it at the same time. <laughs> and, and that's the beauty of it is that when you're playing on the traditional board, and what I mean that, you got your main board that a game comes with. So you would have like the, you know, uh, uh, the warrior of chaos. Why did I know this one off by heart? Because that was my absolute favorite character to play. You're pretty much playing an anti-paladin or evil knight. Anytime you kill somebody, you kill a monster, you can do another roll, you pray to the gods, and you can get one of six things depending on your dice roll. So it boosts your stats or what you have, um, you know, and you had your character sheets, and it was really nicely laid out. And this game was made, as I said, by uh, 
you know, Robert, uh, Robert, Robert Harris. Harris. And he was an author. So he wrote this game. He did a sequel to this game, um, you know, called uh, Myth, uh, Myth Gravity or Mythology, something. Myth, okay, I'll get the name in a second. But he did a sequel to the game, which I didn't know about this, but he wrote a series of novels, of spy novels, action novels uh, back in like the, the late 30s, early 40s. Uh, and, 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 you know, they've been turned into movies. So it was cool that he started this game in school, play with his oh, friends. Wow. Yeah, he just started this to play with his friends and they kind of put it together as a fantasy game, you know, and, and at a boarding school he was at. And it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then he went over and ended up selling the game to, uh, you know, um, uh, was it not? Uh, was it Workshop? Or, uh, game, game Workshop. Game yeah. Workshop. Game, yeah, Games Workshop. Thank you, guys. So the Games Workshop, and it got out there, and then it went. So it went through a couple of revisions right now. Like, you know, revision number four, uh, edition number four is out currently, but I got on board with, like, edition number two. Wow. And then the beauty of it was they he sold. He was smart enough. They made expansion sets. So you can play this game. The main game, that's fine. You go up there, you can play it, and each thing you pull, like, either, you know, depending where you land on the board. You'd have to follow an action, right? So you have like a six-sided dice. You roll. That's your movement. Sometimes you have to roll two of them. Make your movement, depending if you got lucky. You can end up in a tavern. You can end up drunk in a tavern. You can rob somebody in a – someone can rob you in a tavern. You can beat up the local strongman in a tavern, and then you get extra bonus points to, you know, strength and so forth. You would encounter monsters. Uh, you can be lost for a turn. So it was – it really reminded me of that whole fantasy aspect really nicely put on a board game. And then they turned around and they made expansion set. So you had the city expansion set. And I got a lot of these. So you, you land on the corner where it says city and it have its major action, its, its limited actions. If you had the city expansion set, you put this beside the main board and that was just a gateway to go into the city and the city was its own other board. You know, mm. um, you, you had Talisman as your own other board, you know. Oh, I think we lost my cousin. All right, maybe. No, no. Someone, so, someone must have lost this connection. We'll keep going. He'll bounce back in, and 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 that's that's how this whole thing was together, um, and, and which was really interesting. And that was really I never played board games before. I mean, of course, besides Monopoly and all that, but a true fantasy board game to this level, I was hooked from day one. I remember my buddy had it. Um, I borrowed it. We played it, and then. It was okay. It was a trash talking. It was okay. I'm going to get this person, you know, because that's the beauty of it is you don't have to fight the other players or you could. And when you fight another player and if you win the fight, you have one of two options. It's either take one of their four lives. So you whittle them down from the get go mm-hmm. or whatever they're having. You can take one of their objects. Ooh. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you know your friends good enough, I mean, like how these <laughs> the same group of guys, I know which ones would come for me. I know which ones I'm going with. And if you got that magic sword, magic lance, and you had uh, your 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 things, ah, oh, here comes me. He's coming back. You know, and you had your whatever it was, mm-hmm. you were good to go. I love the emergent storytelling that comes out of this game. Uh, and I love what I what I love talking uh, when I talk to people who they've they've touched on board games, but they never really like fell down the rabbit hole of board games. So they learn to really appreciate and love a board game is that sense of like appreciation for all the little nuances and facets and just like really getting to getting your mind around one singular board game. 
like for me, when I started, I lo- I got obsessed with like a handful of board games, loved them to death, learned how to play them really well. And then the more and more and more I got into board games, the more games I would buy. And each game became diluted uh, amongst the pool of board games that I had. So I never really... Like right now, I have a, a shelf. I call it a shelf of shame of games that I have and haven't even cracked the shrink wrap on it yet. Right, uh, right. And I love and I love that. Like this is gonna sound really awful, but <laughs> uh, I just went on to boardgamegeek.com, which is where you can go and you can look up uh, kind of like the statistics. It's forums for every single board game out there, or for the most like any unless it's like completely obscure, you will find people talking about that board game. And there's a rating system on this site. So Talisman, fourth edition by Fantasy Flight Games, uh, is ranked at a, it has a 6.5 rating, which when you live on this site as much as I do, um, most ratings are between seven and eight with like a weird decimal place in the, in the middle. Uh, like, yeah, you're going by decimals. So realistically, a 7.1 and a 7.9 are like the difference. And if you're like, you might as well just use a 10 point scale there. And then anything yeah. under a seven, over an eight, those are incredible games or terrible games. And Talisman yeah. ranks at a 6.5. So to like, I'm not going to say a true nerd or true board gamer, but like to someone who has spent too much time in board games, we, we've we been exposed to other things that Talisman is not considered by the board gaming community who are way too deep in that hole uh, and have gone too far in a way, a good game. But seeing like kind of like the love that you have, and especially because you grew up with this game, the childhood memories that you have with it, it's you learn to appreciate like not the mechanics, but you're appreciating the company of the game and you're no longer playing the game itself, but you're playing with your friends rather than like when I get new games and I get them to uh, get uh, tricks and friends to coming over and playing them for the first time. I'm not really playing with them. We're just seeing who pushed the buttons better on this random machine. And then whoever just made the, the, the balls drop over the, the pipes and stuff like that better won the game. And if you can grok the mechanics faster, sure. But for someone playing Talisman, especially because it involves dice, it's it's not always, I would say, maybe you can disagree with me, would you say that, like, whoever plays better always wins? Or is it kind of like, ah, you got screwed by the dice, a big bear came and chewed your leg off, or you didn't have the Sword of a Thousand Truths to help you out, get a one, but I got the crown of eternity, um... And you have a story that comes out of it, like Rod got bitten by a goblin with like one arm and two eyes, uh, but like one eye was like a bum eye, and he was carrying a sausage, and he just beat Rod to death with a sausage, and now he's out of the game for three hours. That's the kind of thing I love about <laughs> talking to like a different range of people, like d- people who are not like complete board game enthusiasts, and just seeing the love they have for the emergent storytelling that comes out of a game, you know? So you know what I'll, I'll I'll say this. Um. So yes, a lot of it does deal with the dice rolls. I'll say it's it's more of a dice roll. You have to have the luck on your side, yeah. but you try to be as strategic about it as possible, mm-hmm. right? So, and that to me, it really more tied into when, how we used to play Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. Like we would get there. So first of all, we're not playing the game in two hours. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it's not a two hour game when we play. We would start and we would go all night long, early morning, crash out, sleep, get up, and continue the game as is. Like, we would play this, especially when we got to the point where we had all the expansion sets, right? So at one point, you know, I had the, uh, so I had the main talisman board, then I got the city expansion set, then I got the dragon expansion set, which added more dragons to the game, yeah. then I got the, uh, um, what was it, uh, oh, what was my favorite one? Uh, um, oh my god, Timescape. So it was a Timescape expansion set, which was loosely based off of the 40k uh oh, like the universe. Warhammer universe yeah 
Oh wow! Right, so you'd have like a space marine with a chain, a, you know, not even a, a sword, a chain sword. You know what I mean? So it was all drawn out. And what was cool, you have your your characters, and you have your character sheets with the big character card with all your stats, and then you would have another smaller one that you would slip into a little slot that you can move around the board. Mm-hmm. So we, I, I guess, we would use more of our imaginations for the story. But what I get would say strategically wise, you know, if you look at your character's basic stats, you're like, okay, I got a strength of let's say six. And um, this sword adds plus one or plus two to my attack. And then I got this shield. So I have a large shield. If I have to roll a saving throw, so to speak, I need to roll a, um, you know, the basic one was like a five or six. You take no damage. If you got the like the large shield because you got it from the city, then you can roll uh, a three, four, five, and six, and you, you take no damage. So it, your odds were good. And then you would see because as you start off the game, the board is fresh, as you know. When you go around, you know, some places like draw three cards. Okay. If you draw two objects and one monster, you always have to encounter a monster first to get the objects. If you see there's a drink, a dragon with strength seven, you'd be like, if your, if your strength is just, yeah. Well, that's how they, they rated it. It was like really low, you know, but yeah. you're looking at it because the characters only start off maybe a strength three, you yeah. know, some strength four. If you're looking at a seven, you're like, okay, if I roll badly, I have this large shield, I have a chance to not lose my life. Or maybe sometimes it was automatic, we would call the automatic kill. If you've gone around and you've bulked your character up, maybe you're walking around with a strength 12, and you do the math, you know, and I, can roll a th- I can roll a 1, it's a 13, that person rolls a 6, you know, and, and for the dragon, we're almost pretty close. So if it's a tie, no, no harm, no foul, everyone goes about your ways, you just don't get the items. But you might be strong enough that you land on top of a monster and say, well, even if they roll a six plus their strength, I'm tougher than that. It's an automatic win. You're like, yeah. Okay. That's why I had to get the expansion set to boost up some of the numbers there. (laughs) You know, but that's like later on in the game. So we would go marathons in this game. I think people just didn't like the fact that it would take too long. But once again, when we would play Dungeons and Dragons, Mm -hmm. our girlfriends at the time say, hey, we're going out to the club tonight. And all of us be sitting here going... Yeah, you you all have a good time. We're playing D and D. They're like, don't oh, come God, back no. until after last call. <laughs> yeah, they, they would go out to the club. They, we would start order pizza. They would go out to the club. We'd be sitting there, start a game. Club's done in Montreal. Like last call is at quarter to three. Yeah, right, three o'clock. They get back at three thirty at our buddy's place. Four o'clock in the morning. They're looking at us. And we're all like, what's going on? Make a decision. <laughs> and that's the worst because some people make decisions quick and some other my friends Winston takes his time to make the decision on what he wants to do and I know that decision part is like can I get it where Barry is and screw him over by stealing one of his items oh. you know so yeah but that's that was the fun of it so I would say like you know um is it dealing with the dice rolls? Yeah. But then, of course, you know, at the beginning of the game, it's a virgin board. As you go along, you build yourself up. So you always have two ways to go. You would say, okay, what's the lesser of two evils? Would I have a better chance of surviving? And and do it that way. Look, I love dice. Uh, I have friends who absolutely hate dice. Like the some of my super hardcore, very like analysis paralysis heavy board gamer friends yeah. absolutely hate dice and chance. Uh, because they have the first, I think they're negative people, first of all, because they always think that the dice are against them. And it's like, well, the dice are against everybody. You just focus on the negativity. But to me, uh, I think the dice are a storytelling mechanism. If you can learn, yes. if you're not, if your mindset isn't all about like, 
when you're playing a game, there's a really great, great quote. I'm trying to remember who said, I think it was Vlada Shavadal. I'm going to look it up. It's board game. The goal of a board game is to have, uh, sorry, the point of a board game is to win the game, but the goal of a board game is to have fun. Um, right. Like when you're playing, you're trying to win, but your objective is to have, just enjoy your time with your friends, win or lose. Uh, and I mean, I'm pretty sure I bastard, uh, I, I fudged that quote a little bit, but uh, if you're playing a board game purely to win and nothing else, the people around mm-hmm. you aren't going to have that much fun. And to me, if I roll, um, oh, I, lo- I was playing a game called Twilight Imperium. It's a 12 hour mm-hmm. long game about, it's like a space opera. You have your space empire and you go out and you try to, it's like risk, but with like a textbook for rules and okay. it's dice heavy. It's got a lot of dice in it. Uh, you chuck a dice. You could statistically have, like, I got plus nine to this. I should win this fight. I love being in a situation where I statistically am going to lose this fight. Usually it's because I'm not ready. Someone attacked me. And my only chance is to to roll a one. And I'm like, okay, this is a story about this one little Marine. And he fended off a bunch of aliens all by himself. But he just did not have the, cavo- the cojones to, to fight off. A bajillion aliens. So he watches friends, his family, his kid, his wife die in front of his eyes. And then he watches planet blow up in front of him. And then he died. Um, and it's kind of like, some people can't handle that. Like, some people are like, oh, I hate losing like this. To me, it's the story of, like, this one soldier. Like, when you roll the dice mechanically, and if everybody was, like, a robot or an AI with no emotions, you roll yeah. the dice, this guy lost, that's the end of the game. Next. I, right. Yeah, next game. But I love being in situations where, like, this is a story. It's a story game. I'm losing a game for, like, nine hours. And I love it. Like, some people, <laughs> I play, it's a birthday game for me. Uh, yeah. And I was playing one with my wife. We invited, I really wanted to play six people for this game. Uh, so I invited two people that I didn't really know that well. And this one girl, um, she, uh, she, we built the map together. And she actually co- put someone in a corner where they had nothing but poverty and dead planets and just, like, like, a black hole in front of his home planet or something like that. He can do anything. And he built a wormhole that went into her back door and just like obliterated her army uh, from like the other side of the galaxy. She was so mad that she said, if this guy wasn't your friend, I would punch him in the face right now. Not even trash talking, like flat serious. And I was like, I don't know if I want to invite, I don't want you in my home anymore. Um, And it's kind of like, I feel scared. Yeah, I feel a little bit afraid, right? Like, it's just a game. I mean, yeah, you're losing. But first of all, is karma. You screwed the guy within minute three of the game. It's nine hours later. He found a way to dig himself out of this hole that you literally put him into. And now you're upset, right? And the worst part was my wife, Helen, who was sitting next to her and literally her, like, galactic neighbor was going to attack her on the next turn for the win. And now she can't do that because she felt awkward. About like winning the game because this girl's already like my wife doesn't want to get punched in the face by some random person in our home, you know? Like they now know where we live. Uh like find the find the story in a board game, you know? If dice suck, let the dice suck and have fun with it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, and you could appreciate this as an actor, comedian, you know, you could definitely appreciate the storytelling of it. If we go and watch a movie in the, in, you know, be it streaming services in the theater or whatever. You what's the movie they always show us? They always show us the underdog overcoming the obstacles. It's a feel-good movie at the very end. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's the basic storytelling. You don't want to go in there and say, Oh, you you want you want good to win, you want bad to play punished. 
that's it. You don't want to sit there and, and see, oh, this person was in a rough, you know, from the beginning, and that's how they end it. Ah, uh, you walk out there, it's like, no, nah, that good story, but kind of tough. You you want a feel-good moment. And yeah. with Talisman, we've had our feel-good moments. There, there's oh, yeah. times where you laugh your buddy getting screwed over by the system. You mm-hmm. laugh sometimes at the cockiness, saying, oh, he's going to win it. And then you see how he stumbles. It's like, dude, you can use that power. Oh, man, I forgot to drop. <laughs> and, and, and look at everybody else. And everyone's like, well, your turn's over. It's too late. There's no redos. <laughs> you know, that's I the beauty like- <laughs> of it because you get so much stuff. Like, you get armor. You get shields. You got uh, uh, helpers that join you, followers. So you have a, a follower that can be a gladiator and boost your stats to a certain degree. You might have a, a cart with extra weapons in it because you're only allowed to carry the eight items at, at a time. More than that, you need uh, a donkey and a mule, and you have to have that. And you have to specifically say what is on the mule and donkey or what's in your horse and cart or mm-hmm. an anti-gravity stuff. You have to say what items are there because if someone comes over and they hit you and eat you or they have a thieving ability, means as soon as they land on you, they say, I'm stealing his house, horse and cart. Okay? All the items that are in the horse and cart are gone. You can't turn around and reshuffle the deck. So you have to be very clear mm-hmm. at the beginning what is where and then you have to look at your group of friends and say, I know this person's coming for me. He's going to play a dick. Once again, that's my buddy Winston. He knows who he is. <laughs> He's one of my best friends. But me and Winston are chill. You put us in any kind of game, we get a, a weird competitiveness going there. And we laugh at screwing each other over. So I know that if I have a, a, this nice sword that helps me, I'm keeping that on my person. I'm not going to put that in my horse and cart to use it. <laughs> because if I lose the Winston... Off it goes. So yeah. there's a strategy to it. There's a storyline to it. Um, and, and that's where a lot of that comes into. And that's what makes it fun. So this, and once again, like Dungeons and Dragons, heavy dice base. I don't care how your characters rolled up on your paper. When you, from getting moment one, you have to roll dice for all your abilities and stats for Dungeons and Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. You got like yep. seven stats you have to roll. Okay, and then you have to build those up as a module and the game goes on. And as mm-hmm. soon as you walk through a door in a dungeon, it's it's the DM could say, all right, roll. Roll for what? Did you who opened the door? I opened the door. Roll. Oh, dang. There was a trap and I didn't look for it. All right. What happens? And that's not even getting into the room dealing with the monsters or who attacks first. If you're you might need a three to hit a character. I'm exaggerating. You probably on a 20-sided dice. You might need a 15 to hit a character or a monster and you roll a one. Well, that's the equivalent of tripping over your own foot. And then you have to roll again to see if the sword flies out of your hand because you totally pulled <laughs> Dabs your buddy in lampoon moment. <laughs> but you got to roll a dexterity the, check to make sure he dodges the sword that you just dropped out of your hand because you flipped well, that. Well, that's it. Oh, you're still coming. The rest of the party's like, oh, we're all rolling saving throws. So you're right. Exactly what it is. So Talisman takes and embodies a lot of that with me. I mean, I love my fantasy stuff. So when I watch my animes, like Record of the Lotus War, th- this, and, and, you know, even prior to, like, um, uh, Lord of the Rings and all that, which, you know, I was into, it's, it's right up my alley with it. So, hold on, Rod, what about you? I, I, I know you've seen me play this game once oh, in a yeah. while. Yeah. I, as you can tell, um, I, I'm just very, um, these are one of those episodes I'll be just like, oh, yeah, that's good to learn. That's good to learn. Uh, uh, yeah, I... Played board games back in the day with Barry, not as often as um, as you guys, but I do know the fun it is. I, I will admit, the creativity aspect of it is a lot of fun. 
now in my older age, my creativity would be far better than it was back then because I would probably be worse than Winston trying to figure out um, what do I have again and how do I use it? Now I will know, roll a dice, have my sword, if anything. I got the shield by the mule, make sure I'm close to the mule, that kind of scenario. So maybe I can make it sound like I can play, but I'm sure I'm going to go in there like saying, I don't know what to do. And I got beat with, you know, no, that, that, that's well, not That's the best part. I frequently roll crummy characters in D&D. Like, even if I get, like, the best dice rolls, I'm just going to be like, well, this guy is now afraid of heights. Or he's really awkward around people of the opposite gender. Or, you know, he's, like, they have to have some sort of... We played, um, I think the last campaign I played, we did one where we were four clerics and all of us had... Uh, our, D, uh, our dungeon master gave us this house rule where we, would, we could all take an extra feat, but we all had to take like an unfeat. So we would take like um, a special ability and have it do the exact opposite of the benefit. So I actually took one where it was like unkeen mind. So I had like a cleric, like a, a guy, he, he's basically a doctor. He's a healer who is dumb as mud. And I loved just, he had a, I just gave him for the fun of it. I gave him a bum leg too. He limped everywhere. Like he had like, and for some, like, I, I gave him, like, the whole uh, New York accent. He was like, ah, my sciatica, I can't get this healing spell off of it. What is happening? Right? Are we lost? And then it's just, like, it was so much fun to play. We failed everything. I think at one point we were trying to tax uh, the civilians it for having extra candles in their windows because it's a fire hazard. And I was like, I wasn't even doing any good in the in the world, even though my character was, like, a lawful good cleric. He was kind of like... You gotta follow the law, listen. Oh, my sciatic is up to acting up again. My knee and the bum leg. Oh, I got a hernia. Um, I love playing these just like hyper flawed characters because it builds a story. Like when you have the story, it's like stand up. Mm. When you have someone who's, who's just like a robot, who's just their their life is great. It's like you can't go up on stage and like, well, I got a raise and I make more money than you. I, basically, what is it? Uh, the situation when he was doing stand up is terrible, right? You can't just brag mm. or have be better than people i love when you have people who are inherently broken or flawed or the problematic in some way it's such fun storytelling um so when you get yourself into situations like movies would end if kind of like well this guy met a girl and they got married there's no chase at the airport there is no misunderstanding right. in there right or even um when you talk about talisman you're like you for, your buddy forgot that he had an ability i i imagine that scene from iron man I think it was Iron Man 2, whenever War Machine gets introduced. And he does the thing with his hands where he spins around, and then the other dude's like, why don't you do that from the beginning? He's like, you for he if this was a board game, it's literally because he got too much gear, and he forgot. He forgot that he had this stuff. He didn't <laughs> equip it. He didn't read his character sheet. I, like, I guess I probably could have done that from the beginning. Uh, or maybe he's hoarding the, the spell slots or saving mana or whatever it is for the next encounter that might not happen. You know? So... Exactly. And this is where the fun comes in for me. So as I said, you start off with your basic characters and your characters are basically, you know, it could be a fighter, a ranger, your normal archetypes in your fantasy worlds, right? You got the, I said, mine was the warrior of chaos. You, you had uh, elves, you had centaurs, you had Valkyries, Amazons, mm -hmm. and then you had your warlocks, your sorcerers, your necromancers, pirates, space marine, because we got the talisman board, you got the space marine. That you know, which was for the you know Warhammer 40k, 100%. A piece of gods of Games Workshop. <laughs> yeah, you know this was to me. I'm come on, it was it was fantasy. It was He-Man at the same time. I'm like, this is I'm living my life here. And then they would give you extra classes. So what I mean is, and of course, all the characters you would pick would have an alignment. So the character I picked 
it was it was chaotic evil. And depending depending on the weapon you get, some weapons or spots on the board cannot be up. Some characters, like if you're lawful good, you can't land on this spot. If you land there, you automatically lose a life. So you have mm-hmm. to force to go the other way. If you're chaotic evil, you might gain a life from landing on there. And then they have what I call Bible thumper walking to a CD bar, and he's kind of like, "Oh, there's too much debauchery here. My heart." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly how it plays out. And then you get the other classes that were on top of it. So when you got the city board, they gave four other. They want to call them classes. They called them um, and not abilities. Uh, uh, jobs, right? You mm-hmm. would go and you would get a job position. So one of the jobs you can get would be. And this is now added bonus onto your basic character. So you become like, for example, one of them is the king's champion. And you would get extra abilities on top of your abilities because now you're the king's champion. But you had to find the card of the king walking around as a beggar, give him a gold. And if you rolled like a one and a six-sided dice, mm-hmm. then you get become the king's champion. Regardless of what your alignment is, it changes your alignment to good. So if you're evil, you automatically become good. So if you had weapons that were only because you're evil, dad burns. <laughs> you know, another one in the city was the sheriff. Uh, then there was the master thief. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the last one was the high mage. So the high mage, you automatically get spells constantly, regardless of what your wisdom is. You can have X amount of spells to cast these magic spells because now you have that. So if you were an orc, for example, or a troll. I think the troll had like a strength seven and he had a, a wisdom of one. Like we used to like say, dumb as dirt. And you go into the city and you get the position of high mage. Well, you got a strength of seven. And all of a sudden now, as the, you know, the, the, the high, the, the high mage, you're allowed to have three spells. You're dumb. <laughs> you're automatically allowed to have three spells and use them without flaw, which makes it even tougher. So this is what, we would get into is like you start your basic thing, work your way up, get into the city, and then the city had its own laws. And one of the craziest laws was you're not allowed to be broke in the city. That just sounds like Toronto at this point. It is Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed to be broke in the city. It's illegal to be broke. So what would happen is if you walk in there and you had one bag of gold left and you spent it on anything, you automatically get a warrant. Every time you pull an adventure card in the city, you let's say the spot says to pull a do adventure cards, so you'd pull two. But then you always have to draw one more to see if you encounter the city watch. So if you say, oh, I found this item, and I found maybe giant rats are about to attack me, and then you pull the city watch, the city watch would automatically supersede those. You'd have mm-hmm. to fight them. They might have a strength of 12, so to speak, and you're like, holy crap, I can't win. If you lose, you lose a life, and then they take you to jail. And then you have to roll your dice. Either you have to pay the fine and get out of jail, roll the broke. dice. How do you pay a fine? Well, that's it. So if you're broke, this government it. you're is really broke. <laughs> it's not going to happen because you can get it. You also can get a warrant if you fight in the city. So let's say you run into a monster within the city, and you fight, even though you win. That's illegal action. You automatically get a warrant. This is a rigged city. This is a terrible. <laughs> it's Toronto. <laughs> it's Toronto. <laughs> It's Toronto. Come on now. Yeah. With the price of living. Listen, you're being, you're, gonna, you're, you're arrested because you're broke. And if you want to get out of jail, you have to pay the fine. But you can't because you're, you're broke. You're in jail forever. And now the taxpayers are paying out of pocket to sustain this guy who's in jail because he had no money to begin with. And then he got into a fight with the city guard that actually picked a fight with him. <laughs> exactly. Can you sell off any of your weapons for? Can you sell off any of your weapons to uh, compensate? To at least make some type of the narrow. No. 
oh yeah, we're there for a while. Well, okay. well that's it. Then you get to your turn. You always have to roll to see if you kind of you know uh, can talk your way out of it. Go through a court case, and, and this is within the game. These are rules in the game. That, you know, like edition number two. I, it used to make me laugh because everyone wants to be in the city to get the chance to get one of these job positions I just mentioned before. But at the same time, <laughs> risk it. Was it like a litigation expansion for Talisman 4th Edition by Fantasy Flight? Fantasy I Flight, don't if know. you're watching, litigation, the expansion for Talisman 4th Edition. Make it happen. That, that's that's going to be 5th Edition rules right there. I think it should be. I'm telling you right now, I have no. DK, I have no clue. I have no clue about that. I, you know, and I have to say, I still have my board. It's in, it's in shoddy, like boxes in shoddy condition because it's so worn and used, but everything else in there is pristine. But this is the fun I would have. So every time people will look, it's like, and you know, people, if you play with your friends long enough, you know, they have a certain line of thinking. So it was the oh, point you get where the whole meta game going and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's very psychological. So at one point we were playing and everyone looked at me and it said, okay, Barry, we're playing Talisman. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Oh, man. They're like, but uh, we're not playing. We're, we won't play if you take the Warrior of Chaos. But, 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 and anyone else can pick it, but they refused to let me play that character because I got a little bit too into my dark side. <laughs> so I had to uh, find other Are characters method to play. acting in a board game? Just kind of like, we're going to go around and we're going to rob the homeless. Um, and take the I weapons. was devious. <laughs> I was really... I was... It's bad when your fellow friends say, we're not playing if you play the Warrior of Chaos. <laughs> and they banned me... After like our sixth, seventh time of playing this game, they banned me from playing this game with the Warrior of Chaos. So I had to give him up. And I said, okay, well, I went and bought the Talisman expansion set. And I went, Space Marine? Good enough. Watch me. Futuristic Warrior of Chaos with guns. That's and, how I played uh, it. More and expensive intellectual it. property. Yeah, exactly. And each board game, so each board had its own thing. So Talisman, I said, was the basic board. You got the city board. Uh, uh, Timescape, where you got the Warrior, sorry, the Space Marine. It mm -hmm. was like really like 40k, but instead of you land on the same spot as a person, you won't be able to fight it because you're going through dimensions. So you'd get a lot of like laser sword, um, combat droids, uh, very futuristic items. Then mm -hmm. the other board was the uh, dungeon. So let's say you didn't want to get to the inner dungeon on the main board, you mm -hmm. can automatically just start playing the dungeon and go around that way super you know pass bypass everything to get that crown of command and then come back and beat the crap out of your buddies <laughs> but that that board was tough like i mean tough because you know every you know sometimes you get it and it's like okay you can only move one space so you have to encounter depending on which way you take you got to move spot by spot and probably hit most of those encounters so mm -hmm. I, yeah i'm i'm uh, uh absolutely love it uh and that's and that's I've never moved on to other board games per se. There's others that caught my attention. So mm -hmm. what was it? The there's one that I'm curious about called The Captain is Dead. Captain is Dead. I haven't actually played that one. Let me look that one up real quick and see what. Right, I, I believe that's the name of it. It's called The Captain is Dead. It's kind of futuristic. I just like the art and the look. So I admit, a lot of times I'm attracted to the art of a board game, how it looks, and I'm like, oh, interesting. I can play that for, and it seems to be like four players. Captain is Dead. Everyone's kind of survival board game. So that's one I I want to try. Oh, with you. 
I do remember this game. I just looked it up. I remember uh, listening to another podcast about this. Uh, if you are into board games, the Shut Up, Sit Down podcast is a good one to listen to that is all about board games. Uh, I can actually give you the gist of this board game, actually. So the theme of this sure. board game is that, like, imagine we're all on, like, the the USS Enterprise. And hmm. uh, let's pick an era. I guess Picard, because he's the only one I can think of right now. He yeah. gets shot by a laser, just like a freak accident. He's now dead. And we're being attacked by uh, aliens, and we have to pilot the ship. It's kind of like the last, the description of the game right now, if I read it to you, is like, imagine that you are one of the crew in your favorite science fiction TV show. Now imagine that in the last 10 minutes of the show, things have gone so badly, the captain is dead, and you and the surviving members of your crew have to pull together and save the day yourselves. And hmm. if I remember correctly from, uh, and I could be wrong, I think this is like a real-time game where basically all of us are scrambling like, okay, Barry, you got to man the, the ship shield or something like that. And you're rolling a bunch of dice or doing some sort of an operation to get that up and running while I'm kind of like navigating through an asteroid field. And then Rod might be kind of like maintaining the engine or something in real time. And we're all like frantically trying to do things, but it relies on each other to get things done. And then we're just like putting this together. I think it was a real-time game. Uh... Or maybe it wasn't. I could just be talking complete, uh, ma completely made up stuff here. But it, it's definitely a co-op game. Um, actually, mm -hmm. if you like that kind of stuff, I would actually recommend um, Captain Sonar. is a fun game for two to eight people. And what it is, it's uh, at a full count of eight people, which would be great. It is two teams of four. And each of you uh, is on a submarine trying to hunt down the other submarine and shoot them down. Right. So it's almost like battleship to a certain degree. So yeah, it's basically like real time battleship, but each of mm. you guys has a different role that you're supposed to do. So one of the people okay. is like the radio person and they are literally listening to the other. So you have the captain who's kind of like navigating the ship. So they're like up, down, mm. left, left, up, up, left, down, right. And then the rate. So that's the captain. The radio operator on the other side is literally writing these uh, on a piece of, um, not acrylic, I think. Uh, the thing that you remember those overhead projectors that you had, like the clear plastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That film uh, paper. Acetate. Yeah. 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 They would be writing kind of like on a grid up, down, left, like they're drawing the line and then aligning it to a map that has like islands. So you can't run your submarine into an island. Otherwise you're dead. Um, right. But the other, the radio operator is like writing these directions down on a piece of cellophane and then adjusting it to the map to try and pinpoint the location of the enemy submarine. So, like, that's two of the roles. The third one, they're manning the weapon, so they have to draw, like, um, they have to kind of, like, trace their path through, like, a little maze or something like that in order to arm the weapons. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of like Operation. If you hit the sides of the thing, your ship blows up and you lose a hit point. And the fourth person is maintaining the engine, so they're just trying to get the engine to go and keep that thing from going if your ship is moving too fast and stuff like that. Uh, and you're you're doing all of this in real time, which I think is amazing because now you're, like, it's real-time battleship. You're literally tracking another team and their battleship and making sure they haven't blown up their submarine um, and shooting them down. And then you're like, okay, man, the torpedoes fire at this location. They're like, is that a hit? No. And then you're like tracking and scrambling again. But when you introduce a real time aspect to these games, it right. takes things to a whole new level where you're not thinking straight because there's so much pressure when you can't wait for your turn. And you're kind of like, no. oh, what do we do? And you're just like, yeah, it's, it's hectic. It's wild. I think you would really enjoy it if you like that kind of a thing. Um, of like co-op or hecticness or, or storytelling. Right. Uh, and what you're describing, the way you play games, you're like, you definitely seem to have a taste for 
American style games or what people call Ameritrash. Um, okay. So, like, in kind of like, I guess, in the last 10, 20 years or something like that, uh, games kind of became divided into two kind of like schools of oh. thought or styles. So, okay. something like Talisman or your Warhammers or any mm-hmm. kind of like a dungeon crawler game kind of classify into your American style Ameritrash games where they're very. Thum- it's theme first. It's all about storytelling. It's all about dice. It's all about, uh, and you usually have like heavy rules where you're like, okay, this sword does this, the shield does this, your boot makes you right. jump this high, and then like your eyebrows give you special power with women. Um, and then it's very dice heavy. It, it's a lot of luck. Uh, it's not always who plays the best, but how can we make the best story? In my opinion, and other people will argue with me on this. Then mm. you have your Catan type, your your Euro games, which. Um, are a lot more focused, I would say, on building an engine or who pl- whoever plays better wins the game. But for some reason, I don't know why, Euro games thematically are the most driest, boring things out there. Like, my favorite Euro, uh, one of my favorite Euro games uh, is called Concordia. It's literally trading herbs and spices in the Mediterranean. It's kind of like, I'm going to move my boat here. I'm going to open a port. I will trade these spices and a vase for three to four dollars. Um, and that's the whole game. Uh, and mechanically, it's amazing. But like a lot of these games, uh, <laughs> a lot of these games kind of like share this really dry theme. Like one that I play with my wife on a nightly basis called Castles of Burgundy. It's literally, okay. I have a, I have a piece of land, a castle in the middle. And most people think castles are cool. The castle is one tile that gives you an extra move, and like on your turn, you can choose to either put sheep on the board, or put a monastery on the board, or put a <laughs> carpenter on the board, <laughs> or it's like, oh, I'm gonna buy a boat and put that on the board. Like it's kind of like it's so dry and mundane. There's no ad- sense of adventure to it, but right. mechanically, there's so much fun if you enjoy board games or love. If you spend your Friday nights doing Excel spreadsheets uh, for a made-up company that you don't work for and doesn't pay that like euro games are kind of like the thing for you even the dice in euro games aren't rolled they're just used to indicate numbers so like i have i'm gonna i'm gonna use the one on this dice to indicate that i have one sheep (laughs) that's it and like i get another sheep i'm gonna take this pick up this die not roll it i'm just gonna flip it to the two and put it back down on the board um that's kind of euro games in a nutshell uh I actually the best way I can't explain this as well as one guy who is really well known. He's a voice actor first of all, so he's actually done a lot of video games. Uh, I think he was in Borderlands, a bunch of cartoons. His name is uh, Pro ZD or Sung Won Cho, um, and he created this parody video, uh, this parody YouTube video. It lasts like ninety seconds, where he explains the difference explains the differences between American American game. And uh, a Euro game where it's kind of like, now we're going to be trading on the Mediterranean. Uh, you're going to take these dice. You will not roll them. And then you will put them on your board to indicate the number of sheep you have. And he go- it flips over to the American side. He's like, all right, guys, we're going to play Warhammer the Gathering. You're going to take these 1,800 dice. Chuck them. Find all the sixes. This is going to be your roll to hit. Now we're going to do a roll for damage. So count the number of sixes that you rolled. Reroll those dice and find the multiples 3 to 15. Then add your 18 modifiers from your sword, your shield, and what color the sky is that. And it goes back and forth. And it's kind of like, oh, my God, this guy is a genius for coming up with this stuff. And it just properly illustrates, like, the bulky, unwieldy fantasy, like, the rock and rollness of an Ameritrash video game where you're going around guns blazing and shooting up an army of 
kittens and and dogs with rabies and a raccoon uh versus like farming and mowing your lawn on the isles of man in ireland <laughs> something like that right so i don't even know where the isle of man is if that exists i don't even know where island is on the map that's probably somewhere in like southeast asia no idea um i think they like to eat carrots that's their main export i don't don't i'm not i'm just a board gamer not a nerd i'm not good at geography guys so don't uh don't cite this in any a uh, AMA or APA <laughs> scholarly documents. <laughs> hey, and that's it. I, I, that's why I love my board games. I mean, I, and I'm I'm used to playing more the American style, right? Because that's what I said. Dungeons and Dragons is all that. It's roll your dice, have your modifiers, go for it. This is why this speaks a lot to me. I, and I said, I don't get me wrong. I have not gone deep into board games. I mean, really, I, I hit you know talisman. To show you how much I was into this game, is you know, I bought myself an Android tablet. I mean, this is a while back. And of course, you can oh, always you download games Steam to play. Or, uh, the mobile version? Pardon me? Yeah, yeah. There's ta- <laughs> there's Talisman the, 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 for your, your you know, game you can have on your Android. And I I own it. I own it. I've, I've bought some of the extra expansion sets. So this way you can put AI with the three other ones. You can play against the AI if other people have it. And you can all play over, you know, wherever you're located and play either this one. So I have it this way, and I even bought it for my PC. And I don't play games on my PC. So, you know, this really stands out that I bought this one, and then it had the Horus one, which is like a Warhammer kind of Bowsman Horus, you know. Horus Heresy so, or something like that? Yeah, Heresy, thank you. That, and that's, that's the one I got. So I got the two of them. I, do I play them? Sure. Just because it, it's Talisman. And I'm, this, I'm into this whole genre. They've got me. I'm a full mark. I'm hook, line, and sinker for this stuff. <laughs> So I'm not even gonna lie, but that's that's. I'll sit there if, if I'm, you know. Sometimes if I have to travel to a show and I'm not driving or whatever, I'll pull it up on my tab and everyone's doing their thing. What are you doing? Don't worry about it. How do I oh, how do I get this sword? How do I get this we'll together? I, I literally keep a box of small box board game, like a bigger box of board games. Uh, like they're all the like a box of tiny boxes of board games. I have like right. nine or ten tiny box board games in a bigger box in my trunk. At all time, if there's ever a situation where I can just sit somewhere and play a board game or introduce people to introduce people to like board games outside of uh not talisman, outside of uh, Monopoly or Catan, just yes. kind of show them that like even a deck of sixteen cards. Um it's one of my favorite games uh early on my career my my board gaming career. Uh it's called Love Letter. And it's just sixteen cards. Uh but it's such a great game. I introduce it to people when I go on like resort vacation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Really easy to teach and stuff. Really simple to get. And it just kind of opens people up to like, oh, board games are better than board games can be more than just roll your dice, move your mice kind of thing, right? The way you absolutely you right. have player agency and stuff, and there's a little bit of a, a thought process to it. And what I love about board games now is um there is it's becoming more and more of an art form and a theme. And and, and theme for some board games are really kicking in. There's also a lot of uh, games that are about colonialism, and that's starting to see kind of like this whole reckoning of kind of like, we're playing a game that's literally about colonizing like another country and using, having slaves and stuff like that, but they're just being represented by like these little brown uh, uh, cubes on the thing, and you dehumanize people. But now more more and more people are becoming aware of that. And they're either fighting back or or it's becoming a, a talking point and people are creating games to kind of like, to to introduce a narrative. To that and actually kind of give, I mean, not to bring in politics, that kind of stuff, but it's, it's yeah. bringing in a political side to it. Uh, like recently, actually, there's a game that I actually just bought an expansion for. And I think it's really cool commentary on, it's called Spirit Island. 
And mm. what it is, um, it's a co-op game. And you play from the perspective of uh, the story of the game, I guess, is you have an island and it's inhabited by um, natural spirits of the island. So it might be like fire that burns bright or like water that gives light, like the name of the spirits. And they all have these elements where they can do damage or they they have a mechanic to them that will, um, it's thematically correct. Uh, And then the island itself is inhabited by natives. And the goal of the game is... Uh, people from mostly European countries. So the game is about literally white people uh, <laughs> and they're represented by white pl- pieces of plastic showing up on your island, killing off the natives, colonizing it. And by colonizing it, they are destroying the land, adding blights to the land. And you as spirits are sent to push the, uh, the. they're called invaders in the game. You're pushing the invaders off of the island so you can do things like hit them with thunder or like engross them in darkness so they become afraid and run away from the island or drown them. And it's, uh, it's, the game itself is incredibly fun mechanically, but there's also a little bit of social commentary in there where it's like, what are we playing? Well, it's a game of drowning white people. I guess. <laughs> and it's, 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 there's so much social comment. There's another game that I had my eye on called votes for women. And I'm learning about how um, that whole thing, ha- like, Little bits and pieces, I didn't really read too much into it, but apparently it takes historical uh fact and turns it into a board game where like people were trying to ratify oh god, what was it called? Um, the whole like women's rights movement, stuff like that, yeah. Um, but it's basically one of you guys plays kind of like the uh the conservatives, the other people are playing the people who are fighting for rights for women. And then what I learned just from like skimming over the rule book was that the side playing the the women's rights movement has two colors, one which is represented by orange cubes and one which is represented by uh, purple cubes, is during the whole, like, let's give women's rights, they were all saying, like, let's give women rights, let's give women rights, but not black women. Or it's like, should we allow that? And that's right, where right, we're right. represented by, like, the, the purple cubes. And the other side can actually use that to our advantage. It's like, okay, well, these women want rights. Let's divide them and have them fight each other and turn this into a race war rather than a gender war. And I was like holy crap, this is a board game? Like, from the reviews I read, it's uh, it's not the most complicated game. It's not the most heavy or, like, well... It's a pretty... It's decently well-built, but it's, other other people have criticized it as kind of, like, another risk kind of thing. But when you slap... Mm-hmm. When you put that theme onto it and you educate people, so you have event cards that are like, this uh, amendment showed up or this law came up or whatever, and that mm-hmm. changes the board around... It's kind of like, well, I'm playing a game, but I'm also learning about, like, American history and stuff like that at the same time and learning that, like, politics aren't black and white. All right, well, I mean, in, in this yeah. case. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And this is and, – and so here's my question for you, right? So um, do you enjoy games – so you – and thank you for identifying all that because I even know all about, you know, the the American style, American style, European style. So this is all new to me. So this is really – I love talking about this stuff. You know, I'm learning, right? Um so, one, do you like the games where they're rooted more in history and you're learning something from it? Or you just want straight storytelling? Or it depends on your frame of mind on that day, let's say, when you're playing a game. It depends on the mood and literally sometimes who I decided to invite over that day. Okay. Um, so, my favorite game, I'd say, some of my favorite games, Brass. It's a game about building railroads in the 1800s. Not too much political yeah. stuff. It's a very economic game. Just make money, build trains. Um and it's, it's not mean per se. It's it's one of those games where it's kind of like, I can help you, 
but by helping you, I'm helping myself much more. Or I can force you to help me because you need my help, but you'll benefit more from it. And so like, oh, I'll take the free help. And it's kind of like, it's it's a weird thing where it's not, not negative interaction. It's positive, yeah. but still competitive, but not co-op, uh, co-op at all. Uh, so that's one it's of my still strategic, games. though. It's still very yeah, strategic because you're looking from your point of view and saying, okay, you know, no matter what, you're going to interact with somebody and help them, so to speak. But how yeah. are you going to help them? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And, right. And you're still making that strategy call. It's not just simple of roll the dice, go around, okay, $200, you know, skip jail, keep going. It's a lot more deeper than that yeah. psychologically. Yeah. Do you think people underestimate board games to... You know, for who's in it is in it and understands the psychology behind it. But for who's on the outside looking in, then they just say board games and kind of dismiss it as not as deep, informative as what it really is. You can learn, I think, a lot about people by playing board games with them. Um, mm-hmm. And like, depending on the caliber and what you're trying to achieve out of a board game, like there's board games that I'll play with board gamers to play their mind. There's board gamers that I'll play with people to play their personality. There's board games I recommend to people to play on a first date and to do some storytelling. Like, there's a game called Gloom, uh, one of the first board games I got. Is it the best mechanically great game? No, it's literally, like, this card has a number on it. Use it to add another number. Just, like, basic, do it, you're, you're doing basic arithmetic, and whoever, it's almost kind of, like, as simple as playing war. Like, it's kind of like, you can right. hurt someone by X amount or give yourself X amount of points. But the caveat of that game, which is why I recommend it on a first date a lot of the time, is every card... Uh, it's the game, the premise of the game is um, you are playing a family of four people, a mo- uh, not always a, mo- a nuclear family, but like mom and dad or two kids. It could be like a butler, the rich guy, and like his two um, his two business partners or something like that, but they're related or his two brothers. And every time you play a card on it, there's a story on it. So you're trying to have the most miserable family in the game. So it's kind of like, and Uncle Todd was bitten by bats and now has rabies. But it'll just say, like, bitten by rabies, or like, bitten by bats or something. And it's up to you to try and flesh out this entire story based on, like, a little prompt. So you try to say bad things that happen to yourself. You try to make good things happen to your opponent. And when I played it kind of, like, in the early days of my board gaming phase where I was also doing a lot of raving and clubbing and just kind of like refinding myself and stuff like that. I found friends who loved to party and I would never think they're into board games, but it turns out they're into board games. So after we're like drunk at 3 a.m., we're going back to like one of our places and we're just like coming up with like the most wild obscene stories. And it was a mixed group. It wasn't just like a bunch of dudes. It was like guys, girls and stuff like that. And we would just play Gloom uh, sometimes in teams and stuff like that and just group storytell kind of like oh yeah and then jimmy fell down a well and then he broke his leg but he's okay except now he has gangrene and his dog left him and i was like i can't like friends would come up with stuff like that stop and i would not expect this kind of like stuff coming out of their mouth like you expect it out of a comedian or an artist but when you expect it out of like an accountant or an engineer uh or like someone in finance or something like that and they're not typically known to be a creative person they're like what did you just say that's kind of amazing and great and you're nuts um and you build this friendship with people when, mm-hmm. when the rule sets are simple and the creativity is there it brings people together um i think which is uh the main reason i play board games it's like the beauty of it is you're bonding with the person again kind of like the the way you did when we were like five six eight ten years old didn't have right. internet had to sit down with, with each other on a Nintendo, and realistically, the story of any game is kind of like, well, this Italian plumber is kicking turtles around and doing animal abuse. And, like, not too much story there, but you build this little friendship somehow through 
like a bare but you're given like bare bones things to work with and you're like let's come up with the story together let's bond together and yeah create a memory right so of course because i'll say this right now it's like i mean up to the, the times we played talisman you know in the past with my buddies we, we get around we start trash talking each other and we'll we'll mm-hmm. call it moments where things went wrong for us just in this board game and in that board game it brings out those moments it brings out uh, a lot of laughter with us you know, no one's like, is it flip the tables? I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Or I, if we yeah. weren't friends, I'd punch you in the face. We never had. So we would sit there and laugh at the moments we shafted each other, you know, uh, how it played out, who rolled the one. <laughs> Usually it's kind of me. Uh, and, and, and any of those things, it puts a smile on our face at the end of the day. And, and that's, you know, memories is the most important thing. Uh, when you're trying to build friendships and have friendships and be able to go back to those moments in, even when times are tough, when even times are gloom and, the dog gets gangrene or something. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on now, before we wrap this whole show up, I want to say this, Rod, Rod, I, I know board games, oh. <laughs> you, you got in slightly with it. Would you, would you play, have you played board games lately? Are you looking to play board games or is something would you would do? I know you're a busy man, but what, what, what's your take on that? So, no, I haven't played like board games. Like, again, I'll be more of the introduction of the typical, you know, North American playing Monopoly, Scramble, it's wild enough for you to add Scramble as a board game. Yes, it is. So, people, let's go with that. Um, for one, DK, thank you for being here because, like Barry said, you've educated me on certain aspect of it. I've always realized that there is probably a distinction into that world, but I just never knew. Uh, I will say, like Barry was saying earlier, my mind was like listening to what you're saying and realizing it's more of the mechanics Mm-hmm. mechanical structure people who like mechanical structure they'll be more of the euro type of you know roll a dice and it's very they just accepting that i personally thought that they were one and the same realizing the separate i like the storytelling i'd rather yeah. go with just telling and having more fun with that because you have more creative creative uh extension with that you have more fun you could just be you guys anybody can probably come in and see the same be given the same bullet points, but come up with two different stories. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the, that's the great thing about it. You can have fun. And, you, and like you said, you can hear uh, like, yeah, uh, Timmy fell down a well. I wouldn't think that he would have broke his leg. I would probably say he messed up his shoulder on the way down as one of the, one of the bricks I was stepping on the, on a sticking out, took it out. Gungry in his, in his, in his shoulder. Nah, now his eyes is all, you know, got, you know, you know contaminated water, you oh, know, geez. all his eyes. He can't see. He's trying to get out. But all it is is Timmy fell into a well. But I came with another story. Yeah, we we got, a messed up, got a messed up eye. I like this. So, yeah. I can't swing from my right. torturing Timmy a little bit. Oh, <laughs> so we we, we got to get together and play a game. All right. So, DK, I'll leave you on this one, man, real quick. So, if I had to introduce Rod to a game, and this is once again, it's all opinion people. So, I know everyone listening or watching might have their own opinion. But I'm asking DK because he's a guest. What game do you think I could introduce Rod to that he might like, out of your opinion? What's a good, and or, or people listening or watching, what's a good intro game fit for either for me who likes Talisman or Rod who likes more of the mechanic thing? What's, what's two intro games that we can play? For you two specifically, uh, is it just you two or is it like a group where you can play with your friends and stuff like that? and have a... Okay, let's just go with us two and we'll introduce friends. I mean, they're falling in line, but let's go with us two because I know we have two different dynamics here, so. Ooh, okay. Uh, oh, that's tough. That is really tough. I would say I'll give you three. So one okay. game that I always recommend to people just for mechanics is theme-wise, incredibly boring. It's called Azul. Um, 
the pieces feel really nice. They're very tactile. They're made of. I heard about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the theme is you are literally. I don't remember what the actual theme is, but you were. T- I call it tiling a bathroom in Portugal. Um, it's important. <laughs> the Portuguese are known for making like ceramic tiles of the game. You're, I guess, tiling a, a ceramic wall or something like that. Theme is boring. Mechanically, incredibly good game. Really easy to teach. Great way to get people into it. Uh, if you want something kind of a little bit more on the battling side, uh, something a fairly inexpensive game to get people into is called Star Realms. And it's made by the people who created uh, two of the people who were involved with making Magic the Gathering or were designing okay. on it. Um, self-contained game. You don't have to spend like a mortgage to have a a, a competitive collection. It's 15 bucks, small de- a deck of like 100 cards. It's a deck builder game. And what you're doing, it's uh, you're buying cards from market, shuffling into your deck. You play a certain amount of cards and you either get money to buy new cards or you hurt the other person or you heal yourself. So it's a really good one-on-one back and forth kind of a game that's fairly easy to teach. And then for a group, if you want to have kind of like emergent storytelling come out or have people actually interact with each other, I would recommend Avalon, which is a um, it's a hidden identity game. So there, these games are a dime a dozen right now. Uh, Avalon is, I guess, kind of like the most, um, it's one that's not offensive to anybody, or I don't think it's offensive to anyone. Uh, mm. it takes place in kind of like the, uh, the King Arthur times where you have, let's say you had a group of like six people. I can't remember. Yeah. The, I think it was like one or two people. It, you're all going out slaying monsters or like that. One or two of you guys is the bad guy and you don't know who the bad guy is. So you're all accusing each other of being the bad guy. Every time you go out for a mission, you put in a card that says pass or fail. Obviously, the good guys are going to be like, pass. Uh, and the bad guys, if they are invited to go on the mission, will be fail. Or they might say pass for now and fail later. And you're, the bad guy's job is to try and fail three out of five missions. The good guys are trying to pass three out of five missions. Okay, so gotcha. it's up to the, Yeah, so really good at like, if you're the bad guy, look me in the eye and say you're not the bad guy. And I don't know how good of a liar Rod is. He might be like, I'm not the bad guy. He's got this big stupid grin on his face. Like, what? I'm like, no, no, I'm the good guy. Or like, he's actually, you accused him. He's actually the good guy. And now you two hate each other for the rest of like the, the two hours or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and you play it over and over and you start to, those hidden trader games, uh, I'm personally sick of them, but I'll play them. I'll play them still because they're still fun. When you sit down, you're like, all right, let's do this. You learn a lot about your friends. You learn who is a bold faced liar who is like, you can't, this, you, you can't be trusted. You are a bad person and you look me in the eye and we, you, we, we break bread together and you lied to me and I believed every word you said and you turned me against my cousin. Um, Avalon, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So oh, Avalon's yeah. a great one. If you want a variation on that, there's another game called Resistance, which is a reskin of Avalon. There's one called uh, Secret Hitler, same thing. Some someone's secretly a fascist. Same theme, slightly different mechanics, but overall it's kind of like ten people, two are bad guys, figure out who it is, kind of thing. Um, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Games to recommend to uh, you people out there on the Iconist podcast who are watching this. Appreciate, appreciate. Awesome. Good to know. Once again, DK, thank you for coming on the show, man. It's a pleasure always either sharing the stage with you, having you on this podcast for the first time, and definitely would love to have you back on again and oh, yeah. talk more about this stuff and learn more. Um, you know where I stand on this. I'm still with Talisman, the board game. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my go-to. I'm going to make it my personal mission now to dethrone that game. It's a good game. It's not a bad game. Don't uh, right. don't sue me, Fantasy Flight. But No, uh, no, no, but this is why I had to have you on because, I mean, let's put it this way. It's like me wearing bell-bottom pants right now. It's, it's a little bit outdated, right? Uh, I, I've got to expand my wardrobe. I can't, I can't, my wardrobe can't be full of just <laughs> bell-bottom pants. 
I've got to have more in there. Uh, so this is where DK comes in. So picture talisman as bell bottom. I'll still rock him, but I need something more <laughs> than one pair of pants. So I know when you see me on screen, you only see me from the waist up. That's okay. All right, fine. Imagine bell bottom pants. Uh, so this has been the Iconist podcast. We've talked about the uh, talisman. We've talked about other board games with our great guest, DK fan. Please look him up at dkfan.com because he just nailed that. Good on you, DK. And as I said, you can see him everywhere from stage, performing comedy, to acting, to voice. And once again, if you look him up in the Tim Hortons commercial, when I saw him there, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good on you, dude. Get that get that Tim Hortons money because in Canada, that means a lot. <laughs> well, Free coffee for life, impressive. I guess. <laughs> uh, once again, this has been the Iconist Podcast. I'm your host, Barry 3D, along with Rod C. Our guest was DK Fan. And as I always say, this whole world was created by a pencil, a piece of paper, and lots of imagination. Keep on dreaming. Ow! <laughs> Roll the dice!